0: Hello, lovelies. After a holiday break, I am back and it is good to be back, baby. Before we get started, here are a few quick housekeeping, just things to know. Wedding season is upon us and I don't know about you but my calendar is already filling up if you are looking for pieces that will take you through not only this event season but many more to come. Check out my line of timeless modest pieces available in sizes 2 through 24 by going to impactfashionnyc.com. I am always happy to answer any questions you may have about styles or sizing or what would look good on you or what matches with what are all of that. I can be reached via Instagram DM at impact_fashion_nyc. Uh, by email, you can reach me at rifke at impactfashionnyc.com. That's r i v k y at impactfashionnyc.com. Or by using the chat box on the site. All of those go directly to my phone, and I'm pretty good about answering pretty quickly. You'll definitely get an answer within the day. This week's episode is with Rachel Safer and Adoptee. Next week, I'll be chatting with Hobby Brook, who is an adoptive mom. So be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss that. I wanted to give Kind of both sides of this story. Javi Brook is not Rachel's mom, but you get the you get the drift, you get my point. Um, also just a quick note that there is some language in this episode. Please accept my apologies if that is something that bothers you, and enjoy the show. From impact fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners. Kids and on today's show i talk with an adoptee about the circumstances surrounding her birth and adoption she shares how being adopted affects her relationship with her mom what led her to look for and how she found her birth mom and the things never to say to adopted people and adoptive families I first met Rachel Safer about a million years ago while I was still doing alterations. She had put out in the universe that she needed someone to help fix a dress, and I was available, so we ended up spending an afternoon together chatting and fitting and sewing. It was great. It was during that conversation that she casually mentioned she was adopted, and my mind was somehow blown. I had truly never considered that as an option. I mean, I knew adoption was a thing, but I didn't really consider it, you know? Rachel and I sat down to share her side of this whole story.
1: Okay. How was I like as a little kid? My parents like to say I was difficult, but I don't think I was really so difficult. I think I was just high energy. (laughs) Being as a mom now, I'm like, okay, probably not so difficult, but whatever.
0: Did they give you specifics on how you were difficult or, or was it really just you were high energy bouncing
1: around? I think that a lot of my needs might not have been met, mostly For my mother's trauma, which we'll discuss with being adopted. So, I think that a lot of it was just misplaced blame. And, like, it's easier to write off your child as being difficult than realizing what the inner work is to present yourself as a parent to a child in any personality. Every child you have is going to be different. So, I think I was high energy with needs that were not able to emotionally be met. But I, yeah, difficult.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I hear it. Listen, difficult is not difficult. necessarily a bad thing. You mentioned- The
1: relationship you- was difficult. I don't think I was difficult or my mother was difficult. I think the layers of the relationship were difficult.
0: Do you think that being adopted made that relationship more complicated? Yes. So in in what way? Because, I mean, we, we've jumped right in. You are adopted and that's what we are going to be talking about today. Um, and I'd love, you know, I'd love for, if you could, you know, share your story, how, you know, how that came to be, I guess. Um, and then let's
1: let's talk about it. So the parts of my story I could share are the parts that only pertain to me. But uh, for many reasons, people adopt children. And for many reasons, people place children for adoption. So the personal reasons for each side of that exchange are not mine to share, but I always knew I was adopted from as long as I can remember, I, it was a known thing. It was never hidden from me or my older sister. We always knew there was a point where my sister I think was two and a half years old. She's two years older than me. She knew at that age, but she couldn't understand the concept and would kind of run around saying, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor. And my mom's like, yeah, you're a doctor, (laughs) sure (laughs) you are. (laughs) And for me, I always knew, I mean, from when I was three, four years old, I remember telling my friends, which back in the day, 24 years ago, it was not a thing to be spoken about. Everybody knew that I was adopted because I mean, they didn't see my mom pregnant and she came home with babies and she didn't steal them. So (laughs) (laughs) it was just, it was known, but it wasn't spoken about. And I was, this is probably where the difficult child came in because I screamed it from the rooftops at all opportunities. I'm adopted. I thought it was the coolest thing. And parents who grew up in a community where it's like taboo are probably looking at me like, oh my God, is she going to shut up? Like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she needs to stop screaming this this is like not okay and I would tell everyone like when you go around your first day of school and they're like oh tell us something unique about you I always said I'm adopted they're like oh wow and kids would be like what does that mean and I'm like I have I have two sets of parents one I don't know and one I do <laughs> and I was like the cool kid who was adopted and for me it was always like A superpower, but for my parents, it obviously comes with a lot of shame, guilt, and a bunch of other feelings that are kind of thrown at you as an adult. Of like, I started my family differently than all my friends and family. And that's as early as I remember it. I always loved it, I always knew. And what I was told as a kid was my birth mother was an amazing woman. She always loved me. And because she loved me so much, she placed me for adoption. She wanted to give me a better life that she could not give me. And that's how I have my parents. And funny enough, I have met her since that first story of her. And, that was always the truth. So that was helpful as I grew older and built a relationship with her, but yeah, adoption's hard.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely complicated. Did you, did you ever, you know, did, did you ever feel like, like we mentioned the relationship with, with your mom and when, just to clarify, when we say mom, now we're talking about your adopted mom and your birth mom is, is your birth mom, right? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you mentioned your relationship with your mom. It's like, how was that? Do you think that you have a different relationship with her because you're adopted as opposed to her being your like biological mother?
1: I think so. So there are certain, there are certain parts of my parents' story becoming parents um, that I cannot discuss, but Adoption took a few years. My parents, I would say any mothers, even my own being a new mom, you immediately assume you're going to have this amazing bond with your baby. And I think that's what my mom longed for when she couldn't feel the pregnancy and she couldn't have all of those wonderful moments leading up to holding your baby I mean, it was more stress. Mind you, throwing up in a toilet bowl is stress, but not the same emotional stress. You have something you know you're looking forward to. Whereas adoption, there's a lot of doors that open and then get slammed in your face and it's a whole back and forth. So when she adopted me, there were complications that occurred when I was supposed to be adopted. So I was supposed to be adopted when I was immediately born, like taken from the hospital, given to my parents. They were called when my birth mother went into labor that they should book their tickets and fly down to Florida and come get me. They did so. And I could say why I was adopted. So there was an abusive relationship with my biological father. I don't know him. And he got my birth mother pregnant, but then realized, oh, actually, I don't want to be a dad. So he threatened like, you know, you could either get an abortion or I will make you have an abortion. So she never wanted to abort. It was never something she believed in. Um, And if you're listening to this and you do, like it's a personal choice. I'm not hating on anyone you do you, every circumstance is different, but she was not for it. So she said, listen, I'm not aborting this baby, but we could both give up our parental rights and give this child up for adoption. So he was like, fine, no problem. Then when I was born, his mother swooped into the scene and was like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm fighting grandparental rights. What a shit show. Excuse my language. Like, no, that's
0: appropriate you, for the situation.
1: <laughs> you have parents who were like, flew down, are expecting to take home a baby. And they're told, oh, wait, never mind. Now you have to show up to court to fight for this child. So they did that. And the grandmother lost her opportunity to be my guardian because she lived in a trailer park community and she lived with all of her children and their children and financially wasn't, wasn't there. I was born with a hole in my heart. We all are, but usually when we take our first breath, the hole seals up. Mine didn't which was interestingly enough, like a saving grace that really pieced everything together. So in court, one of the big topics was the hole of my heart and my medical care. So my parents, my father had a very stable job and he had a savings. So in his head, his argument was financially, we got this baby covered <laughs> Like for the surgery if insurance doesn't cover it, for the care in between recovery and for anything after that might come up. And because of that, they won the adoption and I went home with them to New York at three months old. So three months old, in between then from one to three months, I couldn't be with my birth mother because there's a fear of attachment. I mean, I cannot imagine having my own son in my care for three months and then saying, bye, AY, now you have a different mommy. Like I'd probably just die on the spot. Like the pain of that would be way too immense to handle. So I was put in like, I like to call it a halfway home, but apparently that term's only used for like when you're leaving prison. I
0: think that's like a drug rehab thing also.
1: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So it was like, I, I guess it was foster care. Um, and somebody took care of me, but my mother told me that there were so many kids there that I was kind of just like placed in front of a TV. So when I finally- Between one and three months old. Between one and three months old. Like if I was crying TV, like bored TV, awake TV. It was always, they just put me in front of the TV. And my mom always said like that killed her because when she finally got me, if I would cry, instead of my mom holding me and feeling comforted, she needed to put me down in front of the TV. And that was the only thing that would soothe me. So for me, being a mom now, I could see where that would start to separate a relationship that could have budded, like there was no growing inside of her that could have attached us. And then when I got there, finally, three months later, which was already a horror story and stress for three months, like that's supposed to be my baby, three months old, so much happens in that short time. Like, where is she? And then getting there and not wanting to be held, not down for affection, like, don't touch me, put me in front of a TV. I just want this box that lights up. Like, that's it. It's traumatic, I think, for a parent. So I think that's really where it started. There was so much trauma that was just the start of our relationship that I can't I mean I can't speak for her but I would like to say if I could look back a pattern of distance just started like I withdrew because of the way my first three months were set up in that care and then she kind of withdrew like my baby doesn't want me so the heck am I doing here trying right and I'm we can't speak for anyone.
0: We, we can't speak for anyone who's not here. And I don't mean to speak for your mom, but I can, yeah. I can speculate and say that there's probably already a feeling of distance. Like you said, there is no mm-hmm. pregnancy, you know, it's not, I'm sure that there's already a feeling of like imposter syndrome times a million. Like I've taken exactly. somebody else's exactly. baby and now mm-hmm. I've taken somebody else's baby and this baby doesn't even want to be held or oh, they'd, they'd rather this box that or lights up. Or they're not up.
1: comforted by me. I mean, even me, when my son has trouble going down to sleep, like a few minutes before this podcast, he is just saying, da, 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 da. And I'm like, hello, <laughs> right. I birthed you. <laughs> he did nothing. <laughs> what is wrong with you? And it's painful because it's like, you want to give your child what they need, whether it's you, a different caregiver or space, but it still makes you feel like they don't want me. What do you mean they don't want me? Like you're my baby, you have to want me. I want you like want me back,
0: right? It's like that it's like that friend that you really want, but like you want the friendship so much more than they do. So you're the one who's like always texting mm-hmm. like let's go out. Let's let's do something together. Let's go to the mall and then
1: and they're just like, "Oh, no. Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry I'm busy." Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly it's exactly and I mean it's not hard. exactly like that yeah it is it's hard. hard
1: from an adult to an adult relationship but it's also so much harder from a baby because they're dependent on you and then when they're dependent on you and can only pretty much get everything they need from you and they're kind of rejecting you it's like ooh, you've just been rejected by this tiny innocent thing that literally needs you to survive <laughs> right exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's when you put it that way, you have a solid point. Exactly. So as an adult, like, as hard of a relationship as I had with my mother, which I want to say, definitely started with imposter syndrome and so many other things from a spectator's point of view from the other end of the relationship as an adult looking back. I hear it. like if I was in her shoes, would I have done anything differently? Probably not. like,
0: Yeah. It's one of those situations where everyone's really just doing the best they can with the cards they've been
1: dealt. Exactly. And I see it. And I see, I also studied, I have my BA in psychology. I didn't go further with it, but just sitting in those classes, like so many pieces were just like, Oh, wow. (laughs) That wasn't me. That was, that was her stuff. Right. And that's still so hard. Like as a mom now, I see my own stuff. Like one one specific thing that I have issues with is my child freaking out that was somewhere where I wasn't my needs weren't met so if I was crying bloody murder my needs weren't met I mean from when I was a baby baby from one month old I was just put in front of the tv so when I hear him crying like that I'm like oh my god I have to get out of here right now this is ridiculous do you want coco melon? Like, leave me alone. And I'm just like, no, I have to be there for him. I have to be present, shut that trauma off, respond differently, change the pattern. (laughs) Right. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot told. And, you
0: know, we're in in a way, this conversation almost sounds like, oh, because you were adopted, you have this stuff from your childhood. We all have stuff from our childhood. Like we all have things. Exactly. We all have things that we bring into our, into our relationships, into our Mm -hmm. relationships as like as spouses, as parents, as whatever. We all have like all this junk pretty much everyone wants to be exactly like their parents or nothing like their parents. There's no yeah. in between.
1: Like there's no in between.
0: Exactly. It's either everything was wonderful or everything was terrible. And here's how we're <laughs> going to make it different. And it's, and it's, it's, you know, it's just, it's, um, Oh, what's the, like, uh, the, it's, it's your peckle. You know, it's just, it's the pile that you've been dealt. And like, that's exactly. just, it's your car. That's just the stuff. Exactly. It's your cards. And, and that's, and that's, and you just go through it out of curiosity. Is your sister, your biological sister?
1: no, no. And if okay. people saw pictures of us. You look
0: exactly alike.
1: I know it's the biggest like mind blown thing ever. Everyone's like, what? What do you mean? As kids, people would ask my parents, oh, you have twins? Mom's like, no. I think the best, honestly, is like, fine. Me and my sister looking alike. We're both redheads. We both have fair skin. If you really look at the details of our face structure and everything, you're like, oh my God, they actually really don't look like at all. Right. But the best is like, my mom has brown curly hair and brown eyes and anytime we would go to her work as kids people would be like oh they look like you and my mom would like literally probably mum- mumble under her breath like you stupid idiot like yeah they look like me yeah they look like me of Sure they do. yeah the gorgeous like their mom like <laughs> of course Meanwhile, she's like, they're adopted. They're literally fair-skinned, blue eyes, red hair. Sure, no problem. <laughs> see what you want
0: to see. Sure. Right, it's there. It's like when people say the <laughs> couple start looking like each other. No,
1: they don't. Yeah. No, they no. don't. I think that was oh. always the most entertaining. My mom and I would always like shoot each other a look like, I oh, what an idiot. <laughs> if exactly. only they knew.
0: One of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with you initially was because I think I came across like a reel or a TikTok or something. And it was like things you shouldn't say to adopted people. And it oh, was some so like, many. it was some pretty awful. Th- and I was like, people say this stuff. What, mm-hmm. like, what are aside from like being told that you look like you're wrong, like, what are some of the crazy reactions that you've gotten? And can we just do like a PSA? Like, how do we relate to adopted people and not be butt heads?
1: Okay. Number one butthead thing to do. Do not say the terms real parents and fake parents. Mm. Like, what is that? You're totally invalidating two amazing things that people did. You don't know why people give children up for adoption. You are a parent. A parent is someone who provides for a child. One parent provided me life. The other parent provided me an amazing life. (laughs) They're both parents. No one's real. No one's fake. They just had different roles. So I think the best is like, and people are like, oh, you're real mom or you're fake mom. I'm like, "What? are you normal? Like, what <laughs> this is so so the vocabulary?" Biological parents, adopted parents, or just parents because they raised you your whole life. And biological parents. Either term is fine. Real parents, fake parents, big no-no. Another thing, all okay, speaking about someone's biological parents in front of adopted parents, so insensitive, so incredibly insensitive. As a child, everybody knew we were adopted, but you know, kids are kids. They don't know better. So I always had friends who were like, do you ever think about your birth mom? Like with my mom sitting right there. I'm like, are you stupid? Like, do you think with your brain? And that was me as a kid. Like I realized like, oh my God, code red, get us out of the situation, sink the ship, sink the ship, let's get out of here now. And I would see the pain in her face in the car or if I just looked over my shoulder she just go about her business like, ah, oh, shit, that six-year-old just stabbed me in the heart. No problem. Can't even scream at them because they're six and not my child. <laughs> but then as you're older, I'll give you one instant. They'll probably blow your socks off. So I'm Jewish. I am a practicing Jew. So I keep the Sabbath. And usually we have a bunch of people as guests. So often I'll have my father over. And there was one person who, like, literally has no filter, and I actually have banned them from my life. Like, at, you cannot be here anymore because you're just such a sicko. So, I have mixed tiles on my wall in my living room. And one of the pictures is from when I reunited with my birth mother and my biological half brother. So, when I met them, we took a picture, and I thought it was so sweet. So, I put it up on the wall with a bunch of other pictures of different family members. And this guy comes into the room that my father is in right next to my father and goes, oh my gosh, yo, mo to my husband. Rachel's mom has a nice rack. She's so hot. <laughs> so my father and my mother are currently, like they're divorced. And my father was just like so shocked and has never heard anyone speak that way of my mother who's younger. So he was like, oh, like what's wrong with you? Like who says things like that? Like there's no class there. So then he says like, my husband sees where he's going and he knows that he's talking about my biological mother because my mom always dressed modestly and my biological mother is not Jewish. So she'll wear the cute tops with your cleavage out and rock that stuff. And, my, Mo was trying to like veer the conversation so that my birth mother like wasn't brought up. So my, so he goes like, oh, like whatever. Like, dude, he's like, no, like her birth mom's freaking hot. And my father's standing there and is like, what in the actual hells wrong with people? It gets better. The same individual. This is more so the reason why he's banned from my house. Comes up to me at the table when I'm sitting with my father, just having a DMC goes to me before dinner. Yo, why so cute. When are you going to have another baby? Are you pregnant again? I'm like, hold up. Wait a minute. Shut the hell up. We don't ask those questions to people. We don't ask those questions to people. You don't know who is struggling. Right. And he's like, what do you mean? You don't know who's struggling. People don't struggle to have kids. My father, who's adopted children, is sitting right there and goes (laughs) to me. You dumb like what do you like what do you mean and he's like bro I struggled in whatever way I did and right. that is why I adopted two of my my two daughters and he was like to my dad you must be stupid if you think that people struggle he's like I just told you that like, What? like my, my father and I were sitting there like oh my God, God, give us the strength, whatever the serenity quote is, so we don't murder this person and have to bury his body in our yard. It was so bizarre. And I'm like, okay, you need to understand how inappropriate that question is. And then to not only invalidate, but he literally called my father an idiot for thinking that he struggled. About his own life exactly for knowing something that happened to himself it, like factual stuff like facts on facts hard facts he's like you're an idiot if you think that's true and he's like that is my truth <laughs> like that's what that actually happened i lived through that what <laughs> then oh. 12 more times continued over that sabbath to ask me if i'm pregnant or when i plan to have more children and I'm literally just like, to my husband, I love you dearly. And Mo hates confrontation. So if he has to kick anyone out of our house or like set severe boundaries and say, like, we can't be friends anymore, it is one of the hardest things for Mo to do. I'm just like, uh uh-uh. uh, no, like, yeah. we're not doing this anymore. And that was really just one of the more shocking experiences. I've had like, clearly that's no. I think anybody listening to this would be like, oh my God, I would never do that. There are so that. many that's...
0: things in that conversation that you should not do. Just, exactly. just for Like the, that do...
1: whole thing. Yeah. Code just, red. Just all Avoid, of it. Avoid. Just don't do the do opposite it. of
0: everything there, basically. It was
1: so bad. It was so bad. I think that was one of the, like honestly the most atrocious experience I had with one of my parents. And I was so shocked because this person is 27 years old. And I'm just like, you're a grown man to some degree. Either you're just grown physically because something's missing on me. Exactly. There are are some screws missing. You were dropped, like nothing, (laughs) something's (laughs) off. It was really bad. But as a child, another thing that was like a big no-no for me, which really caused a lot of trauma, I was in kindergarten. And I think this is the first time I ever struggled with my adoption. And like, that was the first brick of walls I built up when it comes to relating to being adopted. This one boy just like pushed me on the playground. And I was like, excuse me, like, what What are you pushing me for? He goes, nobody's ever going to love you. Even your mommy gave you away. I was like, like what What kind of
0: psychopath kid in nursery school is that
1: five-year-old says this to me so I'm thinking like oh shit he says that that must be true like why would he think that otherwise (laughs) like what wow and then I had the distance in my relationship with my mother that was like growing and growing and growing so I started to believe that I was just unlovable, which like traveled with me until I was 18 years old. And I worked through that thing And I was like, I'm actually pretty damn cool. So screw you little kid. And like those things I would say are like the top, the top three or four not to do. Like don't tell an adopted child they're unlovable. Don't use real or fake parents.
0: Can I interrupt you? Don't tell anyone they're unlovable i know (laughs) just in general life advice no
1: like the things that i experience people say i'm just like do i attract idiots i'll tell tell you what it is
0: you don't attract (laughs) idiots people in general are stupid they just are i was actually just listening to so i listened to a lot of like e-commerce podcasts and stuff like that because i saw my clothing (laughs) online and they were talking about um writing product description pages, like the, like how you like describe your clothes or whatever, whatever it is that that you're selling. I'm a big fan of them. I work very hard on mine. Fine. And there's this Argument about how long those should be. There are some people who say it should be super detailed with every piece of information in there that you can put in so that people have all the information that they need. And there are some people who say that it should be very short because people are idiots and they don't read and like, and nobody wants to read or whatever. So there's like this whole back and forth about how you should write your product descriptions. And I was listening to some guy talk about it and he goes, Listen, there are three types of buyers in the world. There are people who are very detail oriented and they want All of the different pieces of information. So those people need longer descriptions. There are also people who just go based kind of like on feel. So they'll see a couple pictures. They'll kind of, they'll, you know, they're okay with returning stuff or not or whatever. And they'll just, they'll go based on their gut instinct. And then he goes, and then there are morons. There are people who are just stupid and they're not going to read and they're not going to look at the pictures and they're going to ask you all the questions that you've written up on the site and they're just going to be there. And he's like, you know how you can think about it? Think about your high school class. I guarantee you that from your high school class, you could pick out, you know, that sample size of however many people it was. Mm-hmm. You can pick out a handful of morons. Now to multiply yes. that by the entire world. And here you are. A lot of so, morons. Yeah, some people are just stupid and they don't know what to do with, someone who like they're presented with this new information you're adopted and all yeah. they've ever known in their life is well I have like my mom my dad and my siblings and we're all biologically related and then it's I don't you have just presented me this giant this like you have dropped this piano in front of my house and I don't know Mm -hmm. what to do with
1: it exactly do I fit it through the door how do I get it in?
0: (laughs) right like do we need like a cartoon puller and levy situation to get it through the attic like how how are we moving this piano and some people just come up with some really stupid ideas and and that's just that people are just stupid they just are
1: yeah I want to say it's like basic common sense of like what to say and what not to say then I also realized, because it's so taboo, like we discussed this before even doing this, that people just don't know what to say. And sometimes that should, if you don't know what to say, just don't don't say anything like or ask respectfully. Like a question that I was always asked was, oh, do you ever think about your birth mother? Obviously, like all of my friends- looked like their parents in some way and you all bring it up all the time so (laughs) I'm kind of forced to on my own time did I think about it no I was a kid going about my day dealing with the parents that were in front of me at all times and my sister I, I never thought about the other side and as an adult I mean there were always little bursts from friends. Do you ever, that's so cool. Do you want to know where you came from? What's your story? And I'm like, I don't know. You don't want to know? I'm like, no, like why fix something if it ain't broken? Like I'm good. I'm vibing here. Like I'm enjoying my right. life. You did and
0: eventually. Then, uh, yeah. I, did. I was going to say, I you did. Event, what was that like? Because I know that you, you know, you, you have a picture on your wall for some guy to make a mm-hmm. stupid ass comment about. So how did that, how did that
1: come about? So it's a little bit of a long story to piece together, but I was 18 spending my gap year in Israel and I was dating somebody who I don't really know how to describe it. Who was a Kohen. Like, how do we describe a Kohen for those who don't,
0: um, Oh, that's a, the elite weird of one. Jews. I guess so. <laughs> Okay, going back to like tribes of Israel, yes, like ancient times. So there are twelve tribes, and one of them are the Levium tribes, and they did like extra Jewish stuff for lack of a better explanation. I'm butchering this. But basically this it's hard, it's a hard one to
1: explain. Um they would but, serve in our temple in the whole Oh, yeah, spot. that's how they're
0: special. Right, of course. So so yeah, so there's so there's the temple, the base of Mikdash, and then the Kohanim and the Levium are like the parts of this like Levi tribe who they like staffed basically they staffed the temple and they took care of all the holy work and things that go on in there um yeah kohanim nowadays they, there's basically nothing special about kohanim now um because there is no temple um but there are specific traditions relating to mm-hmm. kohanim um so they're a little bit more restricted in who they can marry um most are most are um most do not marry women who have been previously married so they won't marry um, divorcees, but they will marry widows. Um, some um, s- some are also pretty careful uh, to avoid cemeteries because there's uh, like an impurity that's there. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm presuming that when dating a Kohane, they needed to know where you
1: came from. And So it never came up, funny enough. We were dating for three months, which if you're being set up that's like a lifetime we weren't set up we kind of were just enjoying our time in Israel and we were really happy which was really awkward because he was like Rachel we need to talk I'm like if you're gonna break up with me like I'm not spending the money on a bus like just break up with me I'm over it (laughs) like I'm not I'm not here for it don't waste my time I'm not coming to get a cup of coffee with you so I could go back on a train sat alone like just let me know and he's like no that's not it Like, so then just tell me what it is. He's like, no, you need to meet me in town. I'm like, oh God, one of those guys. So I'm like, fine. Took a bus to town. He's like, did you know that converts, so because I was adopted from a non-Jewish family, I had to convert. So I, he was like, did you know that Kohanim, who he was, cannot date converts? I didn't know that. I didn't either. So I was like, bro, like, if you want to break up with me, you don't got to blame it on the Torah. Like, just break up with me. Like, exactly. You don't, you don't have to go making up rules to make this exactly. happen. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, you're nuts. I'm like, you want to go that far? I'm like, if you don't like me, don't like me. I'm like, I don't care. That's your business. <laughs> he was like, no, I like you a lot. That's the problem. I'm like, I don't get it. He's like, call your rabbi. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, he's being serious. So I called my rabbi from high school and I'm like, did you know? that Kohanim and converts can't get married. He's like, yes, Rachel, you didn't know that you just, he's like, please don't tell me you're doing a Kohanim. I'm like, oh, but I am. And nobody thought it was important to tell me this news. So I'm finding out right now and I'm stuck in a pickle. I don't know what to do. And he's like, well, you guys need to break up. He's like, because there's two options here. You can find out if your birth mother was Jewish because Jews are Jews if their mother is Jewish through generations and if they converted. So if your mother converted, then you're Jewish, no matter what, Um, but I, my mother wasn't, so I converted. So I was like, okay, let me start asking some questions because in the back of my head, I'm like, if this doesn't work out, I'll date my husband. Oh yeah, because you had known Mo for- I've known um, Mo for years. And I was always kind of in denial that I liked him because we were so close and I didn't want to ruin that friendship. So he was like off limits. Then I was like, whatever. So I'll just take one for the team. I'll date my husband. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like nervous. He was a cohane. I didn't know. And I didn't want to ask him if he was, but turns out like there was a whole big saga that everybody knew. And Mo was home already for two years. Like he was done with the gap year. And somehow it got back to him that I was dating a Cohane. And I was being harassed by his best friends being like, you got to break up with him, date Mo. You can't date this guy anyway. And I'm like, oh my God. So I'm like, okay, wait, if they want me to date Mo, that means Mo's not a Cohane. But I still have questions. So I called my father and I was like, is it true that I can't date a Cohane? He's like, yes. I'm like, why wouldn't you tell me this beforehand? He's like, Rachel. Out of every man in the world, there is such a small amount of Kohanim. Why would I think that when you started dating, you would obviously have to pick the thing that you can't have? I'm like, Dad, whenever That's we go into works. the store, I usually pick the thing we can't have. <laughs> right. <laughs> I always pick the most expensive thing on the menu. I always right. want designer things. Like, I was the most. There's expensive a pattern child. here, people. Exactly. I'm like, You should know me. And he was like, whatever. And as parents who adopt a child and it was a closed adoption, we're like, Oh my God, this kid is having questions now. She's never had questions. And my father wasn't in a mind in the in a headspace to answer them. He's like, Why are you suddenly asking questions for this guy? Who the hell is this guy? Like, he just he's turning our lives upside down. And like, is he even important? Like, you're not gonna marry him. So, what's the point? And I'm like, because now I have questions and I deserve answers. So I was like, okay, he wouldn't answer questions. I did not know my birth mother's name. Then my mom came to visit me and she saw, like, I was still trying to figure out, like, do I break up with this boy? Whatever. She was going to meet him. And then he like bailed. Cause he was like, no, like, I don't want to meet your mom. Like, we really need to break up. Like we can't do the meet the family. We can't become more attached. I'm like, okay, great. So I went to break up with him, came back to my hotel room where my mom was. And she was like, oh my gosh, she looks so sad. I'm like, imagine breaking up with someone when everything's going well. Right. Like I didn't want to, it was just because our Bible told me I have to. I'm like, he was great. He was like such a breeze of fresh air, like so sweet, such a good person. And I mean, I'm very happy with my husband. Please don't think that like I no, would rather still, this guy. No, but suck. But it sucked. And it's so much easier when the guy was like a horrible person or like you had a massive fight and then you both broke up and stormed away. Like those are so much easier because you could be like, yeah, like he was horrible to me. <laughs> you could like recount things that like sucked. And I genuinely have only positive experiences with this guy. And the hardest part was like saying like, okay, like this is going great. And like- I'm going to not have feelings for you now. I'm just going to shut them off. That's it. Like God says no. So bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, that's not how, that's not how this works. <laughs> it's not dear. that easy. So I was like, okay, whatever. Like part of me still like hopes that he's like doing okay. Cause that was like such a wild experience. Like I literally found out so much information because of him. And my mom just like blurted out my birth mother's name in the hotel room and as you know, like we had a distant relationship. Like I love my mother dearly. I think she's a wonderful person. But we've had space and I was like a bitch. I literally was. I was a bitch to her when I was 18. And I said to her, like, what? Did you make a new friend at the airport? Like, who the hell's that? And she was like, Your birth mother. I'm like do you think you should sit someone down for that conversation? Like I'm freaking pacing a room here and you just blurt that out. Like we're having coffee at Dunkin' Donuts.
0: (laughs) What is wrong
1: with you? And she was like, I just, I didn't know how to bring it up. I didn't know how to say it. So I just put it out there. I put you do you with it. I put it out there. That's it. I'm like, fine. So immediately as an 18 year old, who's technologically advanced in the times we grew up in quickly did a Facebook search and was like, is this her? She's like, oh my God, yes! What the hell? How'd you do that so fast? She's on Facebook. I'm like, everyone's on Facebook. Pretty much everyone is on Facebook. She's like, holy shit! She hasn't like aged a day in her life. Like, wow! Like she that yeah, that's her. And like based on that reaction, I'm like okay, that's her. And I saw certain like resemblances, the shape of my face, my features. I don't have her skin tone or hair color. Eyes are from her. She has dark hair, dark skin. It's a big trip. <laughs> but I was like, okay. And I sat with that. And I, occasionally I would stalk her to see if she changed her Facebook picture, see what she looked like now. Did she dye her hair? Like, what is she doing? But she has like the most bulletproof Facebook page. So it was literally like occasionally I could see a profile picture. And there was one point when I was married for a year. I was 22 years old, I think. And I saw her post a picture with a guy that was younger. And I'm like, okay, either that's my brother who my mom told me about when she told me her name. She's like, oh, and you also have an older brother that she kept for whatever reason. She's like, you shouldn't be upset about it, but like, feel how you want to feel also. (laughs) it's complicated she's like, but she's like different dad she's like so a relationship with him is different than whatever relationship she had with your father um which meant different child care options and I'm like okay no problem I'm like sure and I saw him I'm like okay he looks like her like but you also know that like dating sibling trend going around so right. I'm like I don't know maybe she's into younger guys like <laughs> yes, you it could go either way So then I was like, okay, like, let me check the comment section. And somebody was like, oh, you and your son are so cute. I'm like, ah, ding, ding, ding. And I would stalk him for a little bit. And then one day I was like on the phone with one of my best friends. And I'm like, should I reach out? She's like, what's your thought process? I'm like, I have questions. I'm like, and if my child or children in the future ever looked at me and said, mom, you're adopted. But like, where do you come from? Or what medical things were in our history or this and that? I'm like, Everybody knows these answers. I don't know anything. I don't know these answers. I don't know why. I don't. There's so many big whys or hows, what ifs, like things that I didn't know about myself that I was like, okay, like I don't feel comfortable anymore sitting with the unknown. As a child, I was so happy. But then realizing you have little kids who always ask, why? Mommy, the sky's blue. Why? Because it is why, because it is why. Like it's just right. never-ending why's, and I'm like, I need, I need some of those. Like if my child asks me why the sky is blue and I don't know, I'm comfortable with that. If they say, where do you come from, and I say I don't know, that's a different level of comfort, and right. I, that wasn't what I was willing to settle for. So I was like, okay. She's like, do it. Why not? The worst he could do is not answer or not want anything to do with you, and you need to go into it knowing that they could either accept you with open arms or you'll experience some rejection over there and both are fine.
0: Can like, I ask a technical okay.
1: question? Yeah. You mentioned that it was a closed adoption. Does that mm-hmm. mean that they are
0: not allowed to reach out to you? Like, did they know your name or where you ended up or anything about they you? They knew
1: my name. They didn't know where I ended up. They, I think they only knew my first name truthfully or they knew my last name, but like they never reached out for me. They never looked, but- are they allowed um, to, like,
0: did they choose not to or, cause I, how do, I don't honestly, know how closed adoptions I work.
1: I don't know. I know that my parents were in contact with my birth mother. Like she would call every now and then, but then nine 11 happened and like the line got disconnected. Um, and my birth mother and parents, I guess just kind of saw it as like a time, like why mend that bridge? Let's just live our lives and mend whatever. Got it wounds need to be mended. And I found my brother on Instagram and I reached out, sent him a message. And then I was like, oh shit, like maybe I should unsend it. Like, can you unsend it? And at the time that wasn't a feature yet. So I'm like, oh God, like it's out there. It's out there in the world. It's okay, please don't read this message. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, I'm like this weird, like he's totally not Jewish. Like he's a skater boy. He's like so chill. Somebody I probably would like never think to approach if I passed by them in a skate park because I just feel like intimidated. Like, oh, a skater, like, oh my God. And he has like a good following too. Like he's sponsored and everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, this girl with a tickle. I'm like, <laughs> a Jewish girl from literally nowhere is reaching out to him, claiming to be his sister. He's probably like this freaking whack job. And I was expecting the absolute worst. And he read the message and was like, holy shit, Rachel, I've been waiting for this day. I was like, What? what I was so expecting rejection I was waiting for rejection and I was just like oh my god what like are you kidding me right now and he's like yeah mom raised me knowing about you he's like at a certain age I was asking her for siblings and she was like dude you have a sister She just doesn't live with us he's like what does that mean like, can we go find her? Like, can I look her up on my space? Like, like, can we find her? And she was like, no, like for whatever reason that I could explain to you when you're older, we can't do that. If she wants to reach out to us one day, she'll reach out to us and that's her job, but we cannot. And she always told him, like, if she ever reached out, it's open arms. Like it's not something to be it's not something to hate her for like we love her she's your sister and that was exactly what he did and he's like you know our mom would love it if you reached out to her here's her number and for three hours I paced around my apartment and I was like oh my god do I send this message do I send this message do I send this message is she gonna be upset am I gonna reopen wounds there were so many questions also like with my own parents I did not want them to think that they weren't good enough which it has been expressed to me that there is like a bunch of imposter syndrome that comes back up. It's, did I not do a good enough job? Why does she need to seek out these parents? Like, did I not give her everything? Why, why does she need to know them? Why does she need to be with them? And it's just simple facts. Like, I want to know answers. That's it. It's not because parents weren't good enough. And if you adopted kids and you're so terrified of this, it's not that that's never the reason. It's just simply because We need answers and as many answers as you can give us, you're not the source. Just like you're writing a paper for college, you need your A sources and then you could use maybe two or three B and C sources, but your professors want the good quality sources and you provided us with everything. You're the source for those things, but with the personal answers of the experiences that are our history, you don't have and that's fine. And that was really like a hard thing to juggle because when I was 18, I didn't have a great relationship with my parents. So I was like, I'm, I was not going to reach out then I wanted to, I still had those questions then, but I didn't want it to come from a place of, I'm a teenager. I don't know what I'm doing with my life yet. I'm not settled. And I'm just, I'm just reaching out to like turn people's lives upside down. I I was married for a year and I was like, I'm ready to start trying to have kids. But before that, I need my answers. I don't want my kids to be three, four years old and be like, you have a new set of grandparents, surprise. That's traumatic for children to just be like, oh, suddenly you have new family members that you should possibly be close to, but you're not because I only decided to know them now. So that's where that came from. It was really beautiful and wholesome. I'm actually going down to see them this week which is nice. It's going to be their first time seeing a Y. Wow. Yeah. That's,
0: that's really special.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. It's so funny though, because from the other end of it, from my parents' side, there still is like a lot of questioning, like, why do you still need to be close? Like, we're so grateful towards your family and everything, but it's also just like the idea of how is there room for both?
0: it's, it's, uh, it's hard. It's, it is. I, it's so I, hard to I, juggle. It's a lot of, it's a lot of space to hold for a lot of people's feelings in mm-hmm. a really complicated situation. Cause it is Listen, it is. like, yeah, I can understand as your parents being like, okay, you met them. Great. Like you ask your medical questions. Great. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, to watch out for like, I don't know, diabetes and heart disease. And like, let's move on. Like, the, like no, but like those, like, I can imagine them being like, okay, there are reasons to meet. And like, you want to close this chapter and like, you want to meet your birth mom. Great. Go do that. And then stop doing that. <laughs> like, I, like do yeah. it. You've done it. You've gone on the journey. Now let's reel it back in. And I, and I hear how that would be easier for them. And I also hear how that would be really hard like, and, and for some people that's easier and for, and for some people it's not. And like, I can also hear, you know, wanting AY to know his biological grandmother, but also,
1: yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's just, it's a lot. It's just a lot. It's just a lot of, it's also like, emotions. I have family members from my mother's side who won't tell their children that I'm adopted and oh, that's it's weird. like such a hard, it's weird. So it's such a hard thing because I'm planning AY's first birthday party. And my biological mother is finally able to come up to New York around that time. And there are so many things that come into play because it's like, do I bring everyone together? Is it gonna be tragic? Is it gonna be beautiful? I, I know people that I grew up with who are adopted that I found out in like, high school they were adopted because they were so taboo like their families did not talk about it it was so private and many of them have reached out to their biological parents and I know one girl who actually had both at her wedding her adoptive parents obviously did the walking down and everything because you know you earned it you you did all the raising and the child rearing but they were there to celebrate. And when she had a baby, they came in for the bris and the circumcision ceremony and like all those things, it was together. And like, part of me is like, I wish it could be that way, but then I'm also like, respect where both people are coming from. Like it's equally hard. It's painful. There's a lot of trauma that needs to be handled. And, you know, sometimes exposure therapy works and sometimes it really doesn't.
0: Right. It's, listen, it's a lot of big emotions to handle, which for anything, it's just, it's a lot. I'm curious how, if at all, being adopted has affected your own, your relationship with your, with your kid. You have AY, who you mentioned is almost Mm -hmm. a year old. And what was, like, what was that? Like, were you nervous going into motherhood that you would- be bad at it? Like, what was all of that like?
1: So I was really, I was really nervous when I was pregnant mostly because I was nervous with my relationship with my mother, which we don't really have one anymore. So what I was nervous for occurred. I was nervous that me being pregnant would bring up past trauma, where we would feel an even greater distance in our relationship. So when I first got pregnant and I told my parents, I mean, there was no words for their excitement. They were just like, what? And I really wanted to bring my mother along on every detail as much as possible. I mean, she can't be my body with me, but as much as she can, I wanted her to know exactly what I was feeling and all those things because she didn't get to experience it. And it started off wonderful, but then there was just, it wasn't relatable. Like it, she couldn't, she couldn't grasp what I was dealing with. And we were close until I pretty much was going into labor. I mean, there were times where I, I noticed even when, when my Aunts were pregnant, if they complained about it, that was really difficult for my mother to hear. And, you know, rightfully so, any of my friends that I know are struggling, I really try not to complain about pregnancy. I mean, there are two spaces. Yes, it sucks with the nausea, but it also sucks for someone to hear that you're complaining about something they so wish they could hold in their body. Like they would throw up every day in the toilet for however many years just to hold that baby inside them. And that was really hard to balance because I did have a really gross pregnancy in terms of nausea. And like, I'd rather be hit by a car than have nausea. Like nausea is the worst experience for me. I feel like I'm actually dying. I'd rather you like any, any other horrible situation. I'd rather survive (laughs) having to have my head hang over a toilet bowl for hours. And my first three months and my last three months of pregnancy were exactly that. So anytime anybody would ask me how I felt, I mean, I'm not one to sweet coat anything as you could probably tell. And (laughs) I was like, I feel like shit. I want this to be over with. I hate this. Like I would even tell my husband and he would sometimes really get mad at me why did I say I would do this? This is horrible. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And he's like, Rachel, you have a beautiful miracle child inside of you. Like, how could you speak this way? And I'm like, cause men. I feel like shit. Like <laughs> like that's why like, so you try stupid. feeling like this. This feels <laughs> freaking wonderful. I love it every second. No, <sighs> no one ever. And I was like, yeah, you want your body to be stretching. I'm like, no, it hurts sometimes. And I'm like, it's just not enjoyable. Like, Yes, yeah, the thought, it's a miracle, a lot of, a lot a of, lot, a lot. birth seems great. No, I was scared of the whole experience. <laughs> it was really nasty. And even now, like, I'm like, oh, am I so cute? Like, maybe I want another one. And I'm just like, oh, do I want to do that all again? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. They, do it. Am, am I ready? You yeah. Don't forget it. But I took a lot of pictures. So <laughs> <laughs> I remember it all. And I'm just, <laughs> they say you don't forget yeah. it, but I took a lot of pictures. Um... That is the
0: title of a memoir right there. <laughs> that's
1: the autobiography I took a lot of pictures like downside to being a blogger like (laughs) uh -uh, code red there's perks and there's non-perks of this job (laughs) so for me like I was so happy to share that experience and then I went into labor and oh my gosh the pain I was feeling AY was sitting in like the back of me I was having back labor and oh my she was so terrible. And I wasn't willing to talk to anyone. I would like tell my doctor to shut up when he was trying to talk to me. I'm like, Just, so why are you talking to me? It's like, I need to tell you what we're doing. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear you. Like I'm experiencing pain right now and I need to focus on surviving this. So shut up. And I had my mom who wanted to be updated throughout the process. And I'm like, I am dilating. It is excruciating. My epidurals failed. I tried twice. They didn't work. So imagine being told by all of your friends who have given birth, you're gonna want the epidural. Get the epidural. You'll be knocked out from the waist down. It's wonderful. I was going in thinking this would happen. And I'm like, why do I feel everything right now?
0: Something here is not working.
1: The yeah. doctor's like, let me adjust it. I'm like, all right, 30 minutes later, I'm feeling worse. And it's <laughs> like. Let me call in the anesthesiologist and see what is going on here. They're like, oh, maybe we should put it in a different part of your spine. Took it out, had to reinsert it. While I'm like ex- like really far through contractions, I'm like, you're asking me to sit still so you don't paralyze me while you put another needle into my back. And you don't want my husband in the room. You want a stranger to hold me and try to calm me down. I'm like, no, no, no. My husband will be here, get this nurse off of me. I don't fucking know her, excuse my language. (laughs) Like, I don't know her. She's not gonna calm me down. I'm experiencing pain. You want me to stay calm. You don't even want me to breathe. No, no, no. Finally, they're like, okay, this girl is stubborn AF. Let Mo in the room. He was like, I was like over him, like totally supporting me. And I'm like, okay, I have to stand still. And he's like, just breathe, just breathe. And I'm literally like whispering, shut up, shut up, just like, shut up. Like, hold me, that's it. Like, that's it. God. <laughs> and I had my mom who was like getting really angry that we weren't on the phone with her. And she didn't believe that I was in labor or that I was in pain enough that I can't speak. She never experienced it. Right. So part of me is like, oh my God, I want to strangle this woman for even thinking that she could get mad at me. But then I'm like, she doesn't know. Like, she literally doesn't know. She doesn't know how painful it is. She doesn't know that you can't speak, that the only thing you can do is think of every curse word under the sun and try to scream them all out at once. She doesn't know. And she doesn't know that things are failing. And I called her when my baby was born and she saw him and was like, tears upon tears upon tears, joyful, like in the middle of a work day, like, oh crap, like I can't be at work like this. And then I got home from the hospital and I was like, all right, you coming over? And she called me and said, you know, no, I'm too tired. And at first I was like, bro, you're too tired after you went to work? What? I'm like, here with a newborn who's screaming his head off because he was hungry and I didn't know and I'm just like and I was relying on her for dinner I'm like this is not okay so I was really upset so part of me was like this is probably really traumatic for her she did not have me as a newborn she got me at three months old so I'm like this could be bringing back so much trauma and maybe her being like I don't know what to do with a day old, like, <laughs> I don't. I wasn't there, I don't know, so part of me, like, when my husband was like, where is she, like, what do you mean, she's not coming, I'm just like, give her time, like, just give her time, this is traumatic, like, she, she didn't experience this, give her time, but then it was always, can you be in my son's life, like, a begging conversation, like, just be there for him, just show up, you're three minutes away, we live three minutes away, just show up, it was always a fight. And then I was just like, I can't, I can't keep fighting. I can't keep fighting for someone to love my child. So I think that like, that was hard for me when I became a mom, because I wanted like everybody, when I would post on Instagram, like, oh, like newbornhood motherhood sucks. It didn't suck because of my baby. It didn't suck because I was tired. It sucked from the lack of support. Like, so many people are like, oh, like just wait, like, until he's a toddler, like, it gets worse, like, all those stupid things people say to you when you become a parent. And I'm like, I don't care, like, I love him, no matter what, like, he could be crying his head off, and as traumatic as that is for me, like I told you earlier, I still want to be fully immersed in him, like, I mean, I never want him back inside of me, like, holding him is as close as I'll go with him, but... (laughs) just it's different and that trauma like is tenfold like when you're I think when you become a parent any intergenerational trauma that you have adopted or not adopted childhood trauma when you're holding a baby that's yours that you love so much you would do anything for like literally someone pointed a gun straight at me like You tried to mess with my baby. Mama bear comes out. You'll probably end up dead. Like that's just it. And I'm holding him and I'm like thinking like, oh my God, all the ways that I wasn't shown up for. And as an adult, I can look back and see the different traumas that was held for my parents. Like I can't walk a mile in their shoes. I would never want to walk a mile in those shoes. They would never want me to walk a mile in those shoes. That's why they were so happy when I got pregnant. And then, you know, that mother part of me is like, I need to do what's best for my child. And what's best for my child isn't going to be having a relationship that's so distant with a mother and forcing it because that just puts me in a terrible place. And then I cannot show up peacefully for my own son. But then I have, on the other hand, my father, who I'm so close with, who was like the reserved parent, the non-emotional parent, the one who worked and like, we had a great time in the summer. My father had time to take off and he would take just me and my sister on vacation and we would have the ultimate fun time, like amusement parks Horseback riding. I mean, my father hated animals, so he would send us with instructor instructors and we came back on the horse still in one piece. But we had a great time with him, and I was always nervous to see him in a grandfather role because I was like, he's so rigid and like serious, and he just becomes this like mushball mm-hmm. of a person when he's with. AY like he's always like AY like always wants to be near him always calling about him if I don't send him a picture a day like bad blood like I'm in trouble so it's been interesting and it's really only been interesting because of the different dynamics but I think that's not unique to adoption I think it's just unique to the different cards my parents were dealt and the cards I was dealt and that's in any grandparent parent grandchild and child relationship
0: right it's it's a lot you know like like we keep saying there's a lot of big emotions involved with mm-hmm. parenthood in general and then when it's not a typical parenthood parenting situation there's, there's, there's that many more emotions, I guess, to hold. Yeah. I know that one thing that you're working on now is a podcast, which has an amazing name called a safer Mm -hmm. space. Your last name is safer. And I think it's fantastic title. Um, and I'd love to, I'd love if you could share a little bit about what, you know, why you wanted to, to put that out there, what you were
1: like, just, just why, why bother? Okay. So I started recording stuff for a safer space. It has not been launched yet, but God willing soon motherhood makes that difficult, but I wanted to talk about my life because there's so many moving pieces that people say make me unique. I mean, not everyone's adopted. Not everyone is me. I am the only, me, but I feel like there's just a lot of lessons that I can share from what I've experienced. And I'm really truthfully just so sick of parents making excuses on why they can't show up better for their children. Like I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot and I'm, none of it is to blame on my parents. I don't think they're bad people. I think that we're all challenged and I'm sure when AY grows up and God willing, you know, siblings of his will be like, mom sucked for like these reasons. Like we all do stupid shit that we think are great at the time. But I think the most important thing is to show people the inner child stuff I would have needed and to take people along the work that I'm doing to show up better for my child, for who my child is, not for who I want my child to become. Because that's great. Like, how many times did you say you wanted to be something as a child and you're completely different than what that image is today? We're all that child. And our children become those children who thought something and become something else. And most of the time we picture our children as something and they become something else. And part of what I want to share is how I see that as greatness in my child, in reaching their potential rather than, Oh my God, they're not listening. Like what a stubborn, difficult child. (laughs) Like, No, they're just being them. Like, that's it. They're being them. So that's really what my goal is, to share everything I've been through. You know, there will be moments where I'm sure if people in my family listen, will be like, oh my God, she's painting me in a negative light. And it's totally not like facts or facts. I can't change what I experienced. I mean, you might tell it differently from your end. I'm sure my parents would tell their own story differently from what they were experiencing, where their head was. But I think it's important for people to listen to how a child experienced it. And what it that. did to me, And just that. because, because you experienced something difficult, you're not a sum of your difficult experiences. You're a sum of how you react to them and then what you do afterwards when you're able to look back on them.
0: Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. And it's also, it's, you know, with, with every story,
1: there are three sides to, you know, there are three sides to every exactly. story, his, hers, exactly. and the truth. So, you know, it's the only one I could say is mine. So right. You're still missing their side and the truth, <laughs> right? Exactly, and
0: it's also and and the truth is always usually an amalgamation of um, exactly and the way that all those you know that all those come together. I know that you're still working on a safe space, and when it mm-hmm. is out, um, I'm going to add a link to it in the show notes. So, um, if you're listening to this not around when it's released, definitely make sure to check out there. This has been an like mind blowing, enlightening, and really fun conversation. If I somebody wants too. to learn more about you, Rachel, where can they go?
1: They can go to my Instagram modest is the new black and that's pretty much it for now. I want to share other spaces, but that's the only one I upkeep during motherhood. That's totally <laughs> well. fine. And any other updates will be there also. So exactly. So you'll, you'll,
0: so you'll be able to, that's, that's the gateway drug to everything, Rachel. That is um, the last thing that I want to ask you is what I ask everyone who comes on the show and that is to you, Rachel Safer, what does it mean to make an impact?
1: What does it mean to make an impact? Hmm. I like that question. Thanks. I think it's mostly just leaving the world in a better place than you left it. And some people want to do that by recycling. And some people want to do that about screaming from the rooftops, about massive movements going on. For me, it's about raising great children and not children with a little cute, list of how I think they would be great, but just allowing them to be great, whatever that means they are, because I think that's the only way to make the world a better place. When you let children who will be the next generation, who will take over our world one day and be our leaders, be the leaders they need to be. I love that.
0: Thank you so much for coming on today, Rachel. I really appreciate for it. having me. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Rachel, her links are in the show notes. Next week, I'll be speaking with adoptive mom, Javi Brook. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss that. The Be Impactful podcast is a project of Impact Fashion, the clothing line I created because I believe that we are all deserving of the beautiful things life has to offer. See my modest designs that are available in sizes 2 through 24 by going to impactfashionnyc.com. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art. There are currently 11 people listed by Ora Agunot as a recalcitrant party. View their names, photos, locations, and details of their cases by visiting getora.org recalcitrant-parties. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses. Original music composed by Nissan Fatman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Adzgwitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.